Welcome to the Build with Brabeck podcast, where we dig deep into real, raw, and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change, and making their own version of their very best life. And teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more. Here's your host, Amanda Brabeck. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Build with Brayback podcast. It's Amanda, obviously. Um, happy second week in January. I don't even know where I'm at, who I am, what day it is. Um, as you can tell, since the last episode, I'm sounding better um, and I feel so much better. My quarantine is over. I quarantined um, like a little over 10 days just because my symptoms were actually like really horrible. And um, I mean like for the – in the mild cases, you know what I mean? Um, and so like my first week of the new year that was supposed to be like my first official week basically working for myself and doing all the things and like getting in my groove – turned into being like debilitatingly sick and laying down for five days straight. Um, so I'm still feeling a little lost and a little bit all over the place, but I feel like there are so many lessons there. Like one, it is a blessing while it is stressful, like initially my mind goes into that like scarcity mindset and like, oh, it's your first official week of working for yourself and you're not even working and you're not making money and blah, blah, blah. And like I did still do a few virtual personal training clients throughout the week just because like I can just open my computer and like tell them what to do. Um but like what a blessing that I've chosen to bank on myself and in times where you're sick or maybe you got your period and like you're really not feeling well or you're having like a really down day, like, oh, I have that freedom now where I can just lay down for five days if I must. Um and, like, obviously I had to get, like, classes covered and all that stuff. But I feel like that is a blessing. And I know that PTO and all of that also is that. But it also feels different, like, I don't know, when you have to take, like, one of your paid days off and waste it. And, I mean, it's not black or white. I'm just sitting here looking at the bright sides and getting excited about this time of life that like is really scary to me, but is super exciting at the same time. Um, and I feel like that's also another thing that like kept running through my mind because COVID is like one of the first times in like our lives where you get sick and people are like telling you to stay home. And you're given that opportunity to fully rest so you can fully recover where like 
literally before, I feel like it was like, unless you were on your actual deathbed, you went to work. Like, and it was like a badge of honor of like, oh, she's sick, but she's such a hard worker. She's still here, like pulling through. Like, no, go home and rest. Like all those people that would have like a cold for two straight months and could like not get rid of it or like you get it, it comes back, you get it, it comes back. Like, yeah, no shit. You didn't even take one day off. You know, like with this, I fully did nothing for at least four straight days. Like I, and like, yeah, it like knocked me on my ass. So like I really couldn't, but like I was thinking back. I think the last time that I did that when I was sick was like maybe when I had mono in high school. But like, yeah, that's what you should do when you're sick. One, don't leave the house and get other people sick, but like actually give yourself permission to not work out to nap a lot, to not set an alarm, like rest and heal. And I just feel like it also is so eye-opening in terms of like the progress that I've made with um, my relationship with food and exercise. Because like in the past, if I had not been able to like exercise and like hit the new year just full speed ahead doing crazy workouts like getting into a super regular routine I would have lost it if I couldn't start my year with like a fresh grocery haul and like all these healthy recipes and all this stuff I would have lost it and while I was like laying there on the couch I was obviously jealous of all of these like Instagram stories and stuff that I was seeing of like people like hitting these workouts and like looking strong and like doing the thing. And I was like craving that in a way of just like, oh, I'm excited to like go back to a workout class and I'm excited for that energy. Um, But I did not go down like the guilt path and like that negative path that I know that I would have in the past. And that was like a really cool thing to see within myself. And it was a really cool thing because I know it like can sound so cliche of like, you're working for your body and blah, blah, blah. But like when you actually really see it in effect, It is so amazing. Like, my body, it didn't feel like – I'm trying to think of the words that I really want to use. Like, I feel like in the past, if I had ever skipped that many days of working out – my body would feel like weak and I would feel gross because I wasn't eating the right foods and blah, blah, blah. And like, I didn't have a huge appetite anyways because I was super sick, but like I was eating like comfort foods, like soups and like grilled cheeses and like stuff like that. Like, and 
I only felt weak due to like the illness, but my body felt like I could just tell that my body felt really supported. And like through that support, I feel like I was able to make a comeback way faster and way more like strongly because I gave myself that chance to like fully listen to it. My first workout back, I did like, like I waited until Saturday or Sunday. So I took like an entire week off of exercising besides a couple of like short walks with the dog out of pure necessity for like both of us um, to get some fresh air because that's also healing. But I just like went on the Peloton and I put on a class in the background that I knew would be like fun music. But I went into it being like, the stats do not matter. Take it so easy. And I did. I took it so easy and I read a book like while the class was going on to like distract myself, just like get some movement. And I sweat so much just because I think my body wanted to like sweat it out, but I took it really easy. And I was like proud of myself for like easing in. I like did some yoga and now we're like back to it. I definitely took teaching easy. Yesterday I I taught my first class back and definitely like took that easier, like more time off the bike and more time just like instructing rather than like actually riding myself. But It feels good to be actually listening to my body and like practicing the things that I preach and having that return and feeling so supported. So that has just been a great shift to watch within myself Um, because like this journey of just like healing body dysmorphia and disordered patterns and stuff like it is not linear. It is up and it is down. And there definitely were moments during that where I was like, mm, I haven't worked out in a week. But you learn how to kind of rewire those patterns. So that's been nice. And it was a nice, like, slow start into the year. And I told myself that I was going to be spending this year more, like, aligned and take my time to build everything up. And while I did not think that that would mean like fully doing nothing for a week, it came as it was meant to. Um, And I do feel like it gave me a good chance to like reflect and really figure out exactly what is in alignment for me this year. So yeah. Um, Highs and lows. My high is that the Build Your Best Body Image program started on Monday. And I have a lovely group of ladies starting off with that. Um, And it's just been super fun to develop it, to um, see their excitement in starting it. And I'm just excited to see like their transformations and I can't wait for them to like just embody so much more confidence and free themselves from the diet culture BS. Um, And I think it's just going to be great. And 
it feels like an exciting start in my own business. And I know it's only going to like catapult and get bigger from here. So that's definitely a high. And my low, I mean, as much as actually, no, my low, I would say like connected to what I was just talking about is just like the little bit of anxiety that I am experiencing, if I'm being totally honest, of this leap that I am taking. And because, I mean, I kind of talked about it on the podcast, but basically I did not extend my contract, um, my like full-time contract role that had health insurance and like a guaranteed nine to five income um, because I felt so pulled in so many directions. And while the money was good, the job was not a good fit for what I want for my future. And I just felt like I could give, like I had no time to give to the podcast. So I was like half-assing it. I had no time to do any of the things that I wanted to do as like a full-time business in the future. So they were just kind of like just being strung along with me, but I wasn't like cultivating them. I wasn't excited to work on them because I had no time. So I was like, you know what? I'm not extending it. In the first few months of the year, I am going to grow slowly and I'm going to take my time and just make it all happen. But now that we're here and doing it, it feels – the slow growth feels scary because – nothing is guaranteed. And obviously it's like, mom's got bills to pay, but we've got money coming in from classes. We've got money coming in from PT. We are, we've got our savings and we are investing in ourselves. And I know that that's going to come with some anxious days, but I know that if I stay aligned with my mission and my values, the right things will like I will attract the right things and the right people and the right opportunities and it all will fall into place. So I hope that if you're feeling any of that kind of like anxiety going into the new year, look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself like you have got this. We have got this. It's going to be great. Um okay. Recommendations. The book that I read, um the first book bu- first book. The first book of the new year that I read was Tell Me Lies. Um, And I didn't really read the description before I purchased it. Um, But I had seen the cover a bunch of times and I was like, you know what? Sounds good. Let's just rip it. And I read it in like two days. And I didn't – it's not that it was particularly – wonderfully written. Actually, it was like a little bit infuriating at times, but it was all about this girl that dates a narcissist and how it affects her and her life. And oh my God, if you have ever dated a narcissist or been in a situation like that, there, like you just know there's nothing like it. And I, unfortunately, have dated two of them. And 
it really like not to get deep, but that book like moved me in realizing that there's some stuff there that like I definitely never dealt with. Like definitely just like pushed on down as we do. Um, but I do recommend it if you feel like you're ready for that kind of thing. Um, because it did feel a bit healing at the same time, even though like it brought up a lot of stuff. Um, I feel like it brought it up in a good way of like, okay, maybe I've been pushing that down for so long. I got to deal with it a little bit and also just recognize that like, that's what that was. It was not my fault. And then be able to like, forgive yourselves, forgive them and move on. Um, yeah. And then I just started reading Not Drinking Tonight, which I'll get to. Um, it's pretty good so far. It's interesting. It like really challenges you to look at like your relationship with alcohol and just the different ways that you deal with your emotions and if alcohol is like playing into that. Um, and then I've been rewatching Euphoria because season two just started and I did not remember anything that happened. So we're rewatching that and it's amazing. It is definitely, I mean, it's HBO. So it's like shocking. <laughs> uh, penises everywhere. Um, and also like I have, been out of high school for quite some time, more time than I would care to admit, but it is different than what my high school was like. So many drugs, so much sex, so many skimpy clothes. Where are the parents? Where are the police? I remember, and like, I was a pretty good girl in high school. Like, I could count probably on one hand how many parties that I attended as a high schooler. But I remember one time my friend was all pumped because his parents were going out of town and he was like, I'm going to have a party. And he's like, but okay, we can only have my car in the driveway. So you guys park in this parking lot and then walk over together but it can only be like this amount of people and we're going to stay in the basement the whole time because the house lights have to stay off and we have to stay quiet because like <laughs> every party would just get busted by the police because maybe we just lived in like too rural of a place where the cops had nothing better to do. But like those were the kind of parties that I was attending. And this is madness. But also, times have changed, so who knows? And also, like, that wouldn't make for good TV. So it's fine. I just have questions. Um, and then Mark and I have been watching Succession, which is pretty good. It is wild, and the dad is a lunatic, but it's real good. Um, okay, well, so speaking of not drinking tonight, this – episode really is just kind of like a life updates. Let's just like chat for half an hour. Um, but I'm hoping that you can connect to some of the stuff. So I have decided to do dry January. Um, I 
went alcohol free for like two full months before the holiday season. So basically all of November and or October, November. Um, and it went swimmingly. Like it was actually really easy. I mean, we don't like do that much, especially like COVID times, but it's not like I'm like going out all the time. But like when we went out to dinner, I was like pretty impressed with the amount of like mocktails that restaurants offered. I mean, not like super impressed, but like most restaurants at least had like one or two mocktails on the menu. So at least there was like something yummy I could drink other than just like soda water. And like that was fun to try some stuff out. Um, and I didn't really feel like I missed it at all. The only times that I felt somewhat weird was just in like, you know, some social situations like dinners or like parties where people are like asking you about it. Like it is kind of weird people's reactions to it. But most of the time I didn't have to like get into anything. I could just kind of be like, oh, I'm just not drinking tonight. Or like I went to my friend's 30th birthday party and it was just like a get together like at her house. And I just, like, drank out of a little, like, cup. So you couldn't, like, see – it was, like, a decorative kind of cup. And so you couldn't see inside of the glass. So I just put soda water in it. And, like, no one asked me about it literally the whole night. No one knew I wasn't drinking. Not that it was a secret, but it's, like, it doesn't need to be a whole thing, you know? Um, But then during the holidays, like, we went to New York City. So I wanted to, like – I don't know, enjoy myself a little bit and like have some holiday cocktails and like we're traveling. And then, you know, the holiday parties and this, that, or the other thing. And then I missed not drinking. Like I have two drinks and I'm hungover. Um, if we're getting like deep on it, there's a lot of alcoholism historically in my family. Um, and I don't think that I particularly have like a big problem with alcohol, but I think that because of that, it's important to just explore my relationship with it. And I feel like it is kind of crazy when you think about how alcohol like centered our society is as a whole. So even just from that, like, there are some people that literally have never really explored their relationship with it. And I just like don't want to go my whole life. I'm not kind of wondering and like living this cycle of, I don't know, hangovers and like feeling like shit and being like, I'm never drinking again. And then like doing it all again in like a month. Um, and I feel like, especially if you go to like a big, college like I know that smaller colleges are like similar or like people go to school in the city like you're still partying and stuff but I just feel like the collective culture so I went to University of New Hampshire which is like such a stereotypical state school like literally the town is the school there's like nothing else there and it is literally just such a party bubble for four years and I had the most amazing time I made 
my best friends in the world that I still like are still my best friends today. I met there um, and I wouldn't trade my experience, but I think that a place like that really glorifies like a poor relationship with alcohol. And as you go out into the real world, those lines become super blurry especially depending on like what industry you end up working in and where you move to. And I mean, I remember like running into people that I went to school with in Boston, like the years after graduating and some of, you know, like the big party guys would be like, Oh, Amanda, don't you hate being a grown up? Oh, I miss you in age. And I was like, wow, I never want to be one of them. And it's like, I never was. But at the same time, was still like going out with my friends all the time and so glad that I had that period of life where, you know, being like a single girl in the city and like doing all the things. But at the same time, like as I get older, it's like I definitely have had hangovers that like end up kind of ruining my next day, whether it's just like it was a Sunday and all I did was lay down and was hungover and miserable. Like it's one thing to rest and feel rested. And it's one thing to be hungover and rest all day and just like feel like a bag of dicks, you know? So, and like over the last couple of years, the worst anxiety, like hangover anxiety what did I say? Did I overshare? Why do I feel so horrible? And it's literally like, it's because that is what alcohol does to you. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing dry January and, uh, so far so good because I mean, also I was out for a week and, um, but we're going to do this for this month and see how it goes and then see how I want to approach things moving forward. Um, but if you are interested in following along on that, I've been posting some videos to my horrendous TikTok account. Um, but I'm having fun with it. Ordered a bunch of like non-alcoholic wines and trying out those and like doing little like reviews and making mocktails and stuff like that. So having fun with it. Um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if I never wanted to drink again, but I don't think that that's a decision that needs to be made right here and right now on the podcast. Um, I've just been feeling so much more present and like connected to the people around me without it and it feels good. So we're just going to ride that, that boat for a little bit. Um, Okay. I kind of also wanted to share. I'm going to like, I'm going to keep this episode quick because the interview episodes are so long that this year I really want to be like intentional about when we're doing a solo episode, it's quick and dirty. When we're in the interview, we are in the interview and it's long. Okay. Um, but I wanted to share a couple of the things that we're doing in the Build Your Best Body Image uh, program this week. So this week is their welcome week, and it's really where I am just introducing them to what we're going to be doing in the program and getting them, oh, excuse me, getting them thinking about 
their relationships to their bodies, their relationship to like diet culture, why they signed up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so one of the first things that they are doing is an embodiment practice that is in the form of a meditation. And I'm not going to like do a whole meditation for you right here, but the whole thing of it all really was just to start getting them thinking about how their relationship with their bodies has developed over time. So I want you to think about when you were a baby, a child, and like think about how our connections with our bodies shift as we go into adulthood. Like think about babies. They're so curious. They're like getting so excited when they realize that their feet are attached to their bodies. They're grabbing their feet. They're putting their toes in their mouth. They're chewing on their fingers. They're like pulling hair, just like so curious. And then think about when you are a child. And this was really like the very like visual part of the meditation. So think about when you were a child and how you would really experience the world wholeheartedly totally open, using all of your senses. And I like to think about like a very specific memory that I have of like barreling down my neighborhood hill in my rollerblades and just feeling every bit of that memory. Like I had adrenaline coursing through my body. The sun was burning my cheeks. So they felt like really stingy. I was sweating as you do when you're a kid and like just ripping it up in your neighborhood for hours on end and my eyes are watering and so it's just like a salty mess on my face. Um, And then obviously I totally wipe out on this hill, scrape the crap out of myself and I remember like feeling the sting on my knees. I remember smelling barbecues that are happening in the neighborhood and the freshly cut grass and hearing the birds chirping, hearing my friends like yell to me to like fall into the grass, which obviously I didn't because I'm not coordinated enough. Um, And then as, you know, really living in those memories and then think about how as you went on, you started to really experience your life like separate from your body. which is just such an interesting phenomenon, you know, like as we grow into adulthood, we start to realize that people have opinions of our bodies and people are viewing our bodies and they end up feeling like the separate thing that you have to control and this disembodiment happens. Um, So yeah, just starting to get into the embodiment practice. And then we also, um, next week, we'll be getting into the unlearning phase, which is all about unlearning everything we know about diet culture, about BMI, about the obesity epidemic, like all these things that we grew up around that we were just kind of like supposed to accept as fact um, when in fact so much of it is based on opinion and biases and straight up bullshit. So let me give you 
a quick little history of the BMI. And I'm going to go super quickly through it. So definitely suggest doing some research on this because it's eye-opening. So back in the late 1700s in Belgium, um, our good friend Adolf created not the BMI, but created the original BMI. It wasn't called that back then. Um, And he just wanted to find a way of like, learning more about the population. He um, was what he called himself a social scientist. He studied astronomy, math, statistics, sociology, and he just kind of wanted to predict what like normalcy was within the population. So he used some like I think government collected data. Um, So he had height and weight data from France and Scotland, AKA all white men specifically, and developed the weight and height uh, like scale. Um, And again, it wasn't called BMI back then. And he always said that this was just meant for predicting populations as a whole definitely not meant for any individual diagnosis and should not be used as a measure of health because it's so inaccurate on an individual basis. So like that alone right there, it should have stopped there, but it didn't. So then the, um, this was really around the time of very racist, racist science. So, um, I don't know the name of the guy, but it was picked up by like the eugenics community, aka people that thought that you could better the population through specific breeding, aka people that thought of people of color as like a separate species, which like, okay. So then this BMI is now being used as a measure of health, as a measure of fitness to parent as an excuse or justification for like sterilization of poor people of color, of disabled people, like just some gnarly, gnarly shit. And then in the 1800s, like the late 1800s, life insurance companies start creating their own BMI tables um, so they can have a method of like um, who's covered, what's covered, all of that. And this is the first time that corporations are financially benefiting from this measure. Let me just tell you something that is going to blow your mind. Actuaries, actuaries at these insurance companies just made up their own tables, just made them up. And worse than that, Doctors started using them and like every different insurance company had a different table that they made up. And then doctors were like, we got to use this. They didn't make their own. They just used the insurance companies, which were all over the map. So eventually the doctors are like, look, we have got to make our own. Um, And So then they hire this man, Ansel Keys, who 
if you look him up, he's like super racist. He just like is very open about his disdain for fat people. Like he literally has been quoted saying that like fatness and fat people are disgusting and unethical. So like obviously he has biased views of this BMI and how it should um, be measured. And so his job, he's hired to look for most effective ways of measuring body fat, not the most accurate, um, but the most cost-effective way for the doctors to do this in their offices. So he did a giant study, not giant study, but a study of like 7,500 people. They were, the data was predominantly from white nations. And then he also had data from South Africa populations, but then decided that like, uh, that doesn't fit, throws it out there. So again, all white data. Decides that it's only right 50% of the time, but it's satisfactory enough and it's the best of the three bad methods. So that is now declared as the universal health standard. It's starting to be used in children, just like all around a bad, bad fucking time. And then, okay, the last little bit, and then I will stop with my history lesson, but like this shit just blows my mind. Um, so the World Health Organization in the late 90s declares the BMI their universal health standard, which just sucks. And their board of healthcare practitioners or whoever, whatever that looks like, um, under the World Health Organization, advised them to increase those thresholds by like 10 plus pounds just because they knew the inaccuracies and there would be so many people that were being deemed like obese and morbidly obese that were probably fine. And instead of doing that, they do the complete opposite. They go completely against the advisement of the healthcare professionals. And then they create the International Obesity Task Force, which was mainly funded, like two-thirds funded, by two big pharma companies that had diet and weight loss drugs, um, like going through the approval process. And they needed to establish that there was um, a medical concern within the country and that there was like a need for this. So what did they do? The International Obesity Task Force within the World Health Organization lowered that threshold for um, being in a quote-unquote normal range. So now the need is there for that diet pill and those drugs. And now doctors are also able to prescribe and insurers are able to cover that. So like literally overnight, a giant portion of the population, like millions of people, went from being normal, quote-unquote, into overweight or overweight into obese without gaining a single, single pound. And I'm going to 
step off my soapbox and wrap it up in just a second. But I think what is most important, the most important takeaways um, are the inaccuracies, the bias, and the stigma and bias that it creates, you know, because that only creates more stigma around the population. And it also creates more stigma and bias in um, in medicine. So now there are all these people that aren't being treated properly. Um, you know, they go in for one thing and they're just told lose weight, lose weight, lose weight instead of actually looking at whatever it is that their concern is or they're so burned from going to the doctors and only hearing that that now they're not going anymore and getting like necessary care and testing done. Um, so like it's a big deal. And it's also like a question that we should be asking really is why are we not using data from other populations? Like what a racist thing to think that white men are the ideal. That's basically what they're saying. Um, why is it critical for the state to name an ideal weight? And why are we not looking at like the socioeconomic reasons why so many of these people are in those thresholds. Because most of the time, they are poor people of color. So doesn't that tell a story also of how we could actually address issues among the nation rather than starting things like the obesity epidemic. And with that, I dropped the mic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in the body image program, we do spend like a whole week or two on just a lot of that, like getting to the root of things, looking critically at things. So I think it's so important um, in all realms, um, especially when you look at something that was so driven by media and the government. But yeah, that's about that. Okay. I talked for much longer than I expected to, but I hope that you're having a great start to your year. I hope that you are opening yourself up to living this year more confidently, more consistently reaching out if you need help with anything hiring coaches or trainers or who whatever kind of support you need um and living like in alignment with what feels best for you regardless of other people's opinions all right well have a great rest of your week i will catch you here next thursday with a nice long interview episode um but that's all i got for you peace and blessings Thank you for listening to the Build with Brabeck podcast. Stay connected on Instagram at Build with Brabeck and our website, www.buildwithbrabeck.com. Show a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.